Hi, my name is Ben, and welcome to Field and Foley, episode 1. And my first guest is Greg Lester. He's a sound designer for video games at SoundCuts. He's also one of the creators of GameAudioLearning.com, a central learning space for everything about game audio, which I really recommend you checking out. And recently, he and Lewis Thompson launched Airwiggles, a brand new community for all things audio. So, welcome, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And yeah, I'm really excited to chat about some field recording and sound design. Awesome. Yeah, so um, let's get right into it. I mean, uh, the first question that always comes to my mind when talking to people is uh, the question, why did you record your first sound and what was it? So maybe you have some something in mind. Uh, it might not not be the first sound, but maybe the first thing that comes to mind. So That is a good question. So I very much remember... Um, when I really first started, quote unquote, collecting sounds. And that was when I started, well, I I invested in a Zoom H5 um, mm -hmm. when I was at university. And I can't really remember the first sound that I recorded, but what I can remember was something that um, I, one of my favorite sounds, which is this um, tiny stream that has actually a poem um, etched into like the side of the stone that it flows and it's got this unbelievable wonderful like zen trickling sound and um, I've used that I think across a bunch of projects because it was just it's this perfect like close mic um, really clean yeah just super meditative sound and, and that is like running water for me is just something that is always super calming Oh yeah, I can totally relate to that. Um, I have my fair share of, of uh, stream and and river recordings, and uh, every every river and every spot is different. So, um, yeah. But I also have like a couple of favorites I I use in in many projects. So, can really relate to that. That's nice. And um, yeah. So, as you first started out um, and and started to collect sounds. Um, do you remember what kind of things you struggled with the most starting out and um, especially how did you overcome it? Because um, trying to get people to uh, see the beginnings of, of uh, Foley and, and field recording artists. So that is probably nice to know for for newcomers. For sure, yeah. Um, so I think one of the big struggles, especially in the beginning for me, was the fact that I didn't really know how to um, get the gain staging right. And I think a lot of the time, especially because I am a weird person where I actually really hate monitoring. I don't like <laughs> listening to the sounds on headphones. I usually don't have headphones when I go out recording, which is super crazy. And <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but essentially, I just love to kind of experiment and round with stuff and play. And I get like a, a million takes of everything at like different gains and um, and also kind of different mic positions. And then I listen to it back later and figure out like, OK, um, these are the ones that are interesting for this type of stuff. 
And so I kind of analyze it afterwards because I feel like also when I'm listening to it, um, the other part is that my, my, I only have a, <laughs> open back headphones at the moment so oh. <laughs> it's kind of useless to go out into the field with open back headphones <laughs> yeah <laughs> unless you kind of turn it up so loud that you're going to get bleed anyway so it's um yeah but basically the gain staging was a big one for me and um and that was really kind of down to to just really practice but it helped um what really helped i think was was to check the levels visually and then um, later uh, when I actually had time to sit down and listen to the recordings in the studio or in my room in my bedroom at the time mm-hmm. um, it that was then kind of just analyzing it and looking at okay what kind of volume um, works the best for this kind of what I just said but it was it was really just figuring out like general levels and figuring out how the zoom h5 reacted because i think that's a big one it's it's always like super awesome to have a bunch of gear and everything but the best thing is just if you know how to use it and i think the same goes for like headphones and monitors and everything if you know the sound of something um and kind of learn how to get the best out of it and how intuitively it sounds um, I think that is like a huge thing and that just co- comes over practice and it's not just then recording but also really listening back to the recordings like listening to your stuff trying experimenting with different gains and listening back to it and afterwards and yeah just kind of like making notes and and figuring out okay yeah this there's a I can hear the hiss in here and stuff like that um, so I think that's that's one of the biggest things that I struggled with um, let me think if there's anything else. Um, I think also planning-wise, I remember doing a recording session. We did a huge glass recording session in the studio where we had a bunch of mics. And um, that was super cool. <laughs> but <laughs> we didn't really um, have a plan on what mics were going to be used for what. And I guess what we were really trying to get out of it, we were just kind of like going in and smashing some bottles and stuff and we got some really cool source material but it was kind of afterwards uh when i listened to the recordings it was like ah yeah it would have been good to have like a plan first and to to test things out and kind of do almost like a dry run and then figure out uh, with with just a, a couple of the bottles write down what works well, which like mic positions, because we were using like way too many mics because we were at (laughs) university and we had the option to do it. So, but yeah, and then it was kind of just having to edit all of those different microphones as well, where a lot of them just didn't sound good because again, there there was no purpose really for them. We just set them up to (laughs) experiment. Um, But not even that, it was just kind of a bit random. So I think that's also a big one, just kind of like, um, if you're going into a studio session specifically, um, I think it's really good to have an idea going into it of, of what exactly you want to get out of it and to just make some basic notes on that and and do a little bit more research about like the gear that you're using, which I definitely didn't do. <laughs> so yeah, those would be the two main ones, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, can also totally relate to that. Um, with every new microphone, there comes like this experimentation phase where you're just trying to figure out 
um, how loud you can record something, how you use it, and um, it's always fun, but it's always a lot of material that's just it's just crap, and you just throw it away. Um, yeah, that's interesting that you had the same experience with those uh, multi mic setups, where <laughs> most of them were probably um, not the right mics and positions. Yep. Um, yeah, and do you have like do you have a sound in mind that uh, was harder to capture or to make than you thought first? Oh yeah, anything um, that is like collision and impact type of stuff. <laughs> and the main reason is because it used to just clip all the time. And if it didn't clip, if I set the gain right, then it was like, well, this sounds tiny. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so that was a huge struggle for a very long time. And one of the big things now um, the, that changed it is really 32-bit recording for me, the 32-bit the float. Mm-hmm. And that has changed my entire workflow and everything as well. That's really enabled me to do more of what I want to do, which is for me, it's just kind of experiment, experimenting with the sound source and with the actual um, recording of it rather than ages kind of like, you know, adjusting the gain and fiddling with that stuff, which I'm not a fan of at all. And it goes the same for camera. Like when I... I I looked into buying a new YouTube camera, sorry, small tangent, <laughs> but basically it was like, I looked into like all these amazing cameras and I, I bought a book and read about like all of the tech behind it and how I need to set up all of this. And then I realized like, my goodness, I'm going to spend so much time setting all of this up for like, you know, a 10 minute video Um, and I probably won't shoot it in a day. And so one of the biggest bottlenecks to me making any videos, it's two things. It's the actual recording of it. And then the second part is the editing of it. And so with the recording, because I enjoy writing and researching and making the sounds and everything, Mm. but then it was like, there's this camera, which basically is, does everything for you. And you press one button and it like blurs the background by changing the aperture. And it was like, oh my God, this will just make it easy. And so I bought it and it did. And I had the same exact experience with the Zoom um, F3, mm-hmm. which was just like, this device is kind of like, you take it with you, it turns on immediately, basically. It's super no faff type, like plug-in, press record, done. Like, no real gain staging, all of that. And it's so great because, yeah, that's really the part that I enjoy about field recording. And so, basically, with, like, all of the collision stuff, um, having the infinite headroom, so to speak, um, that it doesn't clip, I don't have to worry about that um, because if it does exceed... um, then it will just auto mute and not totally <laughs> destroy it. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, I started just more now um, doing the same as I've done before, um, putting the mics into different positions. And usually, like for collisions, the the recent library that I did for the uh, for a project that I'm working on, where I did a bunch of different collision stuff and impacts, um, I used a um, shotgun mic uh, in channel one and a contact mic in channel two. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I basically split them out into two mono um, separate tracks, and I can use kind of both microphones, but they're obviously totally in sync, which is awesome. So yeah, it's it's just been like 
incredible to um, have clip-free recordings with no complication of setup. But the other thing is that I realized that a bunch of the sounds still sound super thin. And that then came down to kind of the processing. And so that's the second part is like learning how to to do the processing in your recordings. And that kind of then feeds back into the actual recording process. So now I kind of go into the, the sessions knowing usually um, what I'm, what kind of processing I want to apply and kind of the results I'm trying to get and how it will probably mm-hmm. sound. And then um, if I can, I will do some recordings, some test recordings. Then I run them through the processing and really try and learn from it. And then I do a second recording um, to really kind of get the full, um, yeah, the 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 full uh, width of the of the source material and and the entire session. So yeah, it's it's kind of technology, I guess, and and practice. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Always the practice and feedback loop. Um, I think it's it's true for for every craft, but I, I I know what you mean. If you learn how your your recorded sounds work uh, later on in the stages, you that influences your recording, and then it goes vice versa. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So impact sounds um, was also for me a hard a hard thing to do, and um, I had a, I had a similar experience um, just like you, but I for me the the f- Breakthrough was first with my contact mic because that is uh, yeah my overall weapon I always have in my bag and um, for impact sounds like you said shotgun mic plus uh, plus contact mic um, makes for great impact sounds you can mix and match and fade and uh, yeah that's a it's always a great tip so if you don't have a contact mic yet <laughs> get one <laughs> yeah and there's like some pretty cheap ones out there I think um, yeah you can also make them yourself I mean yeah. Exactly. Aiden Hall, I think, posted a whole uh, tutorial on air wiggles at some point. Uh, he took apart a fire alarm, I believe. Yes, yes. We're going to link it in this episode because it's a, it's a very nice nice ex- uh, little experiment, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> It's super cool. <laughs> I had no idea you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, in, in contrast to that, do you have a, a sound that was way easier to capture or to make than you first thought? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, when I started, it was, I was going kind of, like I said, Zoom H5 and and just the capsules, the standard XY capsule. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed um, capturing ambiences with that. I feel like that was getting like good ambient sounds was actually a lot easier than I thought mm-hmm. it would be um, just from choosing the right spots and kind of, yeah, making sure that you're not near the microphone and that there's not too much distinct um, sounds. So if it's if it's a crowd kind of, you know, not having too many close voices is great. So you can just get more of a walla track and stuff like that. And but sometimes those details are really awesome as well. I'm just coming so obviously from the game background, and um, often when you do loops and stuff like that. You don't necessarily want to have anything distinct, mm-hmm. um, just because it then sticks out yeah, absolutely. and kind of breaks the immersion. And so that was one of the big things for me is like trying to get that more, um, I guess, subtle ambience where nothing really sticks out too much. Um, 
but yeah, I think that was also just like really going out and um, and figuring out more the recording locations um, than anything else. So where where do you get that type of sound? Those diffuse ambiences, but that was that was definitely easier than I anticipated it to be mm-hmm. um, initially. I think, and and it's a bit of a expectation um, versus reality type thing as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things like the. I really struggled with doing um, gore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I thought like, oh yeah, that'd be super easy. And then all the stuff that I uh, that came out was like, well, this is incredibly disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, does it not feels violent like it. and it looks violent, but it doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. Yeah, and we took some pictures of the session, and it looked great. And it was like, <laughs> hmm, it just doesn't yeah. quite match. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, that was that was a tricky one for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was, I think, um, yeah, I haven't done that in a while, but Mm. now I know also that so much in those type of recordings is, is just getting an incredibly clean sound, um, Mm -hmm. and then just doing a bunch of processing with it, especially for the hyper real stuff. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And it's always, I mean, the, the, the old trick, I would say, um, many of us know already uh, it's like free some uh, maybe bell peppers or leak or something like that and, and break it um, you have the bone cracking sound and uh, I mean for wet sounds you can use like yeah any wet like sludge you can find but um, yeah I can definitely relate to that you want something specific you don't want it too comical you don't want it too soft you don't want it too hard and getting the right impact sound. I remember me stabbing like a pumpkin with a knife like for I think an hour until I got I think five or six sound of it that I really liked and all the rest of the session was just I don't know it sounded either too soft or like very short and not impactful at all and um, yeah that that is a <laughs> really frustrating thing to do so totally relatable. Yeah. I think another tip I just like uh, remember as well um, from so just doing things with other people is mm-hmm. it increases the fun and I think it's also good for learning. When I did all of those uh, bigger recording sessions at university, I always had a, a friend with me who was also into um, field and, and foley recording and just in general recording kind of all kinds of different sounds. And it was super helpful also in the editing phase Hmm. because, yeah, it was just like not having to edit like so much just by myself was was really, really useful. So, yeah, get your get your friends involved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that that brings me to to another point, Um, uh, getting out into the field and especially if you want to have like quiet ambiences or or some sounds trying to stay still and be silent and not like breathe through your nose or something like that is really hard Um, especially if you're more than one people if you have like camera crew maybe with you or something like that Um, but uh, other than having people around um, like the whole nature of our current world I would say is uh, the sound pollution is really in most places very uh frustrating i would say um especially airplanes for me personally are like a big deal and and uh, of course the german autobahn so yeah maybe maybe this question for you how do you deal with sound pollution do you have like any um maybe tips or do you have like an approach do you scout locations or yeah what's what's your like tip for that 
Yeah, great question. I definitely feel you. Um, I take a lot of, I my ritual is usually I, I take a walk uh, in the evening because I work remotely, so I'm in my my studio or my room all day. And um, and I, uh, I then have to just get out at least once a day. And when I walk in the evening, um, there's a park nearby and there's like a, a, a A road, which is not quite a, a autobahn or like a motorway, but the closest you can get to that, I guess. And it's also just, you can hear it across the field because there's not a lot of trees as well. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, it just always is like, ah, this is, yeah, like I, I, I rem- when I go to Austria and I'm like in the mountains or somewhere and it's like, oh, this, the peace and the quiet, like <laughs> it's, it's so nice. But yeah, airplanes as well are super annoying. Um, I have to say, I, I usually don't do that much, um, kind of ambience recording in that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of, um, for like the games that I work on and things, I do a lot of, um, indoor um, recording. So I set up a little kind of um, recording nook where I um, have some uh, acoustical treatment that's reasonably thick and I have like a second carpet and with the shotgun mic kind of pointing into the corner of, of that. It's it's a really good um, kind of bass noise level, like very, very little. I always make sure to... to uh, put my PC on sleep mode because otherwise there's just a constant hum. But when I'm outdoors, um, if I can help it, I try to go out in the evening mm-hmm. um, just because it's way quieter. Obviously for ambiences and stuff, that's tricky because then it's totally different. But yeah. if I'm doing any type of spot effect stuff, um, then I try to go out in the evening just because it's so much quieter. And it's also nice. You don't get looked at too weird by too many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always... Also, always the case. I, I remember when I'm out with the parabolic mic, people think I'm a spy. Um, yeah. Uh, but because of my uh, rather colorful hair, um, I can always <laughs> convince them that I'm certainly not a spy with my getup. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's an interesting thing to do because I I also try to go out at in the evening or or rather um, even at night and sometimes before daybreak for some stuff. But as you said. Sometimes you come to a place where you really like the ambience, but in the morning hours, there's something different or something else. I mean, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's something totally new, but sometimes it's not the thing you wanted. So, um, yeah, it's always, I mean, yeah, as I said, especially with airplanes or, or like traffic, it's uh, it's always hard to find like the perfect spot. Yeah. And regarding location scouting, I mean, like um, I've been... I definitely can recommend this as well, like just walking around, taking long walks mm-hmm. around your wherever you're based. Uh, kind of that's where what I do a lot as well. And I now know um, the sounds of certain locations and what I can find there. And I know kind of like a forest where it's pretty quiet, where I can, where there's a bunch of old timber, where I could record all kinds of wood and organic material, ripping and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know that... Um, you know, if I go during the week in the morning, there won't be any families out there and stuff like that because everyone is at work. So it's kind of figuring out, yeah, what what locations within um, reasonable reach around you um, are good for certain types of sounds and then kind of 
making a little mental map, I guess, of of what are the sounds in your area around you and, and when are, are the best times to kind of go and collect them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we, sh we should do an actual map because I, I used to like set pins on Google Maps for um, different locations, um, especially for the one game I, I needed a, a certain type of waterfall, not too big, not too small. And I was scouting like images on Google Maps for <laughs> waterfalls in my area, so to say. And I just drove to each of them and tried to find the perfect one. And then I make some notes on Google Maps and have my, my locations. And now I have like <laughs> 15 waterfalls where I, I know I that. can record. So, what a great yeah. idea. Let's get together and um, to start this via Awakels, maybe make a community map out of it. That would be, be interesting. Super cool. yeah. Especially yeah. if people are like on holiday and bring their gear because you always bring your gear, right? <laughs> yeah, sound map or something. Sound yeah. maps. I don't know. That'd be super cool. That and would be great. Yeah. yeah. What a what a brilliant idea! <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> nice one, Ben. Right. <laughs> so um, yeah, and uh, on that topic of going out and recording or or inside, um, doesn't matter really. Do you have like a favorite mic, um, maybe single or or even like a recording setup, like um, maybe a combination of mics or maybe some kind of technique you use where you like always like um, the result or is like your go-to thing? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first off, I, I am hugely into mono. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's part of the game. Yeah, background. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so I record 99% of my stuff in mono. Um, and, and then the other thing is because of like not having that many channels. Well, I have a zoom F8 as well, mm -hmm. but that's my audio interface and the reason for that is that then I can like, <laughs> essentially, I have um, if I do need to record stereo, I have like in my recording nook, I have like another two extension leads and I have a swivel arm that mm -hmm. my main shotgun mic is on, so I can like record a bunch of stuff at once indoors, which is super nice into my computer, very easy. Um, but other than that, now that I've gotten the Zoom F3, I'm basically just all about that and. Like I said before, I, I'm more of a minimalist when it comes to these things. So my favorite microphone at the moment, which is my only shotgun and my workhorse, is the Zoom NTG3. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the best on the market for the price in terms of what you get from shotgun mics, for sure. Um, and I can definitely recommend people um, who are kind of a little bit along their journey, so not like total beginners, but if you've got a little bit of money to invest and you're looking for an upgrade to to the, maybe, you know, your your capsules of the portable field recorder, I can definitely fully recommend the uh, NTG3. It has such a good bass response as well and is really nice. Um, so I use that always pretty much in combination you the usually with either my AKG C411, which is the contact mic, mm -hmm. um, or in combination with one of the uh, micro Uzi capsules from Loam, which, oh, yeah. yeah, they're just, you know, incredible, <laughs> especially <laughs> again for the price. Like, yeah. I think they were 120 euros or pounds or something for the pair, and they are unbelievably detailed, great for very subtle sounds like mechanical things or close-up Foley. And yeah, it's great because um, when I use them, again, I have left and right, I split them out and then I have more of the body um, in the NTG3 and the high end 
the crispness in the micro Uzi. And then one of them is usually good, or if not, like together. And so that's really how I enjoy working. Um, I'm all about like um, portable setup as well. So that works really well. I, I go to Austria um, a lot or not that much, but a reasonable amount. Mm-hmm. And I can't, well, I don't like to bring a suitcase. So I just travel with a, with a big backpack with hand luggage essentially. And so it's really great. I have a little re- like um, whatever it's called, like travel case where everything fits in um, this, the Zoom F3 and kind of like the micro Uzis, the contact mic, and then just uh, a pouch and a protector for the NTG3. And that's just my setup, along with a bunch of rechargeable batteries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the main one, I would say. Yeah. Uh, what I can recommend is like uh, getting some kind of uh, uh, portable battery. Um, I got one with USB and I um, made a little case with a 3D printer to put it onto my Zoom. So now I have essentially a USB chargeable Zoom, which is nice um, because I yeah always hate bringing around a lot of batteries. Um, but yeah, it's 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 funny that you said it because the the um, micro Uzis are also like my go-to thing, especially for stereo recording. I always like to have them um, like on a pole somewhere, stand them somewhere, and uh, especially for ambiences as, as well. I, I used to uh, in the beginning uh, do do a lot of mechanical stuff and then very finicky small stuff because that's like the advertisement. But um, yeah, I'm beginning to use that for a lot of ambiences as well, and uh, I really like that. Um, can really recommend trying that for like just a stereo ambient recording as well. Cool. Yeah, the the ambience. Um, I have done that with. Um, I have a little. What is it called? Where you hang up your clothes. The <laughs> the clothes hanger. Yeah. Just yeah. Like a, exactly. Yeah. Clothes hanger. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes the words just escape. English is hard. Uh, yeah. And and it has two little clips mm, on the side, nice. and so I can basically just. Um, on the wind protectors, they have little kind of uh, elastic strings that oh, yeah. stand off, yeah. and I put them on that, and <laughs> and it gives me a little kind of A B um, setup, and it's so fantastic. I when there's thunderstorms, um, mm-hmm. I open my window, and it uh, the it like opens from bottom to top, so the window provides like a shield, and then I basically just put the hanger, uh, the clothes hanger, on like the uh, the the top rim. And and hang the microphones out <laughs> so they don't get wet and I just like great yeah it just captures amazing um, wonderful rain ambience and that kind of stuff and also indoors when like the rain uh, gets blown onto the window and I've put it again same position kind of like hung it up on the on the thing where you open the window and yeah it's been it's been fantastic I I love the micro Uzis so much. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a nice idea with the clothes hanger. Um, I have like a, a small stereo bar, um, which I use, but I, I always, I, I feel I always bring too much gear, but I, I don't know. I just like lugging stuff around. And when I'm, when I'm uh, uh, like out in the field and scouting a new location and I don't have a particular microphone, I'm, I'm always like, ah, oh, I could have gotten that one. I have to drive again. And <laughs> so I try to bring at least like contact microphones, underwater microphones, um, the Uzis and yeah, the boomstick and yeah, something like that. So 
a hydrophone is definitely on my on my shopping list at some point yeah. on my wish list <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can uh, also really recommend that um especially for like you said like streams um i find that uh, using like uh, either for stereo or if you want a mono recording like a boom mic plus the underwater microphone and mixing that in gradually or for 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 some amount um it really adds to the character and uh, stuff like submerging into the water um you can do it at home in your bathtub or in like a in like a um whatever kind of container you like um, to get different sounds um you can even if you have a good one you can even boil them uh, i tested it and it's oh my god it's really interesting um yeah Crazy. I, I got some from uh jess uh jeff riley french i don't know if i pronounced the name correctly but i can really recommend them they are handmade and have like lots of layers it's like a thick block of microphone and you can essentially to a certain degree boil them and also freeze them so put them in the freezer and some ice and then let's just leave them on the countertop and let the ice thaw and you get some nice cracks in there um Insane. yeah really really nice stuff you can get really creative with them so those are always my my go-to things i always have with me like the the context mics and the underwater mics um because there's always some kind of thing like a hole you just <laughs> try to uh, lower them down and see what's down there um, with your ears yeah. essentially yeah that's awesome so um yeah do you like have any other special tip or maybe technique you like to share i mean the clothes hanger is pretty good um i think that is um on my to-do list for for the holidays when i have not much space to bring gear because i will certainly try that one yeah that's definitely not my idea i saw it i saw someone else do it and copied it and mm -hmm. i think i posted the picture and then i think <laughs> people were like oh that's a great idea and it's like yep not mine <laughs> also yeah, just totally copied <laughs> it's good to share the knowledge um absolutely yeah, so I think a, a huge tip um, for me uh, is I um, I'm actually doing a new video series at the moment, which is taking absolute ages. Um, but it's kind of like it's called Sound Library Highlight, um, and and as the name kind of suggests, it it goes into and underneath the hood of of some of my favorite sound libraries. And I kind of interview the um, the creators, so it's similar to this, except mm -hmm. that if I have made a sound like library, I guess. And before the interview, I spent considerable amount of time just listening to all of the different sounds to really get familiar with the actual content um, more than I usually would, because usually when I buy a library, it serves a purpose. Um, in terms of a hole that I need to fill for a project that I'm currently working on or something like that. I don't often just buy libraries for the sake of them because money <laughs> and I like to record stuff. But essentially, really kind of, um, um, oh, the, the, I need the, the German, well, the English word for auseinandersetzen. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah. I spend a lot of time um, just listening to those and really get to know the the source material of of the library or mm -hmm. like the yep. the full material, and I by doing that, uh, especially if it's a more interesting like creative library, like for example, um, Metamorphosis by Mattia Cellotto. All of Mattia Cellotto's libraries are are super insane, mm -hmm. but specifically this one. Um, it's kind of a mixture of synthesis and tons of recorded material that was recorded with um, 
uh, ultrasonic microphones at super high sample rates. And so the idea of it was to stretch it and and pitch it down and stuff like that and, and see what, what kind of crazy cool things can happen with that. Um, of course, that's reasonably popular now with the Sanken CO100K and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think when it came out, it was less less um, uh, market available, I guess. And the process of listening to all of these recordings and just really trying to figure out, like, how did these come to be? And what kind of questions do I want to ask um, Mattia or whoever else mm-hmm. um, about this? And, and really kind of think about the the creation and the creative process and try and listen to to every single sound and kind of really again make a mental map of it and then later speaking to the person um about it and about the recording techniques and some of them i was spot on others like i couldn't have been further off and it was like incredible to to hear how how they were actually created and the unbelievable creativity with which kind of, again, stuff like you said, where you put your hydrophone into a freezer, into <laughs> an ice block, and then let it thaw or boil it. Like, those types of things absolutely fascinate me. And I think if if you can do one thing, um, is just listen to sound libraries and also the free ones. And And it doesn't sound like much, but just really analyzing the material and trying to figure out how this was made um what sounds like what i guess kind of building a a mental lexicon or encyclopedia of how things sound i think is super helpful and then also trying to put that into words is is something else because when you speak to fellow sound designers field recordists um game audio people whatever <laughs> trying to convey the the information that's in your head of those sounds into words can often be super hard and and so that's definitely also a skill to learn and that can be practiced by doing that and um and yeah i think just like ask people um i i've only recently gotten good at that i am more of a shy person in general um and which it might not seem that way but (laughs) Um, I often in front of like meeting new people or something, I get a little bit of anxiety and stuff and, and, and it's gotten way better now by just being more exposed to it. So the field recording and game audio community and like just in general audio communities is such full of like amazing and wonderful people. And so, yeah, just kind of reaching out and being like, oh, how do I do this? Or how did you get to this sound? Um, or any tips and stuff like that has been just super helpful um, to me personally. And so that would be a, a huge kind of thing that I would recommend to people is to really just listen to your sounds that you record yourself and also the the ones that you acquire, uh, whether you purchase them or download them for free. And then, yeah, reach out to people and and ask them. And, um, and yeah, I think in, in combination, those three things will really kind of help you get a lot further and then the obvious one is just like practice (laughs) but uh i think also don't be scared of not doing it the right way because i think doing things the wrong way can often get you really cool results unless you kill your mics which is not a good idea (laughs) yeah um sometimes it's worth it but rarely (laughs) (laughs) Rarely. yeah yeah but um in general i think uh 
kind of like I said, I I do I do most of my field recording without headphones, which most people will consider to be totally illegal and stupid <laughs> and crazy, but that's just how I like to do it. And I can really then focus in on on the actual sounds and getting the most out of out of an object. I think another good practice is is to try and um take simple objects and yeah, try to rinse them of all the audio, like say a book and, you know, mm -hmm. you can tear the pages, you can, um, s smack it against things. You can maybe, uh, use your breath and blow. Uh, so the pages rattle and all of these kinds of different things. So there's, there's really so much more kind of hidden in terms of sound in, in every single object, um, to unlock, so to speak. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, the the last thing would be to when you go to places take your headphones out sometimes like don't don't wear headphones just listen and yeah. uh, and listen to how your environment sounds i think that is for sure hard as well because usually then our thoughts come and occupy us and stuff but literally just being on the train and listening to all of the different elements of the sound and how this how the door opens and oh this might be cool for a spaceship when you have like the and all of that stuff and and you know if you have your phone i think the phone is also a super underrated recorder and it has built in epic multiband compression so you don't even need to put ott on afterwards <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, i've i've used some of my recorded sounds uh, from my phone in like projects um it doesn't happen that often cuz now i usually go out with my F3 when I try and record stuff, but there have been cases where like I was on a bus and it made this really cool mm -hmm. sound when the hydraulics whatever like happened and um and yeah I recorded that and, and that made it into into one of my designs and so I think you know recording recording a uh, sound with something is better than not recording it even if it's maybe not your desired quality but oftentimes you're going to process it anyway. So like <laughs> might as well do it. And if it's not good, well, then at least you recorded it and, and kind of listen back to it and solidified the, the sound in your mental lexicon or, or encyclopedia, I guess. So yeah, that would, that would be my main tips, I think. Yeah. I, I can totally, totally say the same active listening and, um, especially there is no wrong way um it's like exploration having fun um so much great sounds come from accidents so um yeah don't be afraid to try anything and everything like you said with the book for example um i can totally agree with that um trying to give you a challenge just like take one item and spend like an hour or two maybe and just yeah experiment and get a feel for um what you can do and then that opens up your horizon to to different possibilities um, with yeah every thing you have. I forgot to mention as well. I watched a really cool GDC talk. I forgot what it was called, but it was I think um, I'm pretty sure it was the um, the Foley for Alien Isolation, mm -hmm. um, the Foley recordings. And I think one of the quotes from one of the the Foley artists was that um, Foley is like live sound design. <laughs> yeah, and that was. It's so obvious, right? And some people get that very early on. But for me, that was like a huge change in my mental 
or like my mindset essentially towards field recording um, and and how I approached it as well. And I, and I think especially then after kind of also um, doing these videos and, and the libraries, it's like, wow, there's so much more you can do. And in terms of being creative with with getting the sounds in the first place and what kind of sounds you can create by just recording without any processing, because I'm super big on like using a million plugins and making crazy stuff with it. But I think the results that can be achieved by just getting a little bit creative and yeah, like really ignoring the rules. And, and that's really hard because especially when people come from an academic background, especially I think music background is, is the worst for that because mm-hmm. um, in music, especially like classical music, there's so many rules. And if you're not doing it, you know, there's, there's a clear wrong way a lot of the time or perceived wrong way at least. Mm-hmm. And I think that really gets instilled uh, into a lot of the students, especially. And so then it's really hard to break away from that and to to go into um, field recording and even like sound design and just then feeling like, well, you know, my my gain isn't set correctly. So these sounds are useless anyway and stuff like that. And and that was a big issue for me as well, that it took a long time to overcome that. And I would often then just feel like the stuff that I recorded because it had a little bit too much noise was just not, you know, even even useful. Even though I could have totally made some cool stuff out of it, um, just the fact that it was, quote unquote, kind of like wrong, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not as, you know, not according to the rules that I yeah. learned. Um, yeah, You feel so. like you're not a professional and... Uh... So it it can't be anything good. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, that's exactly it. So that's, yeah, just like there's really rules are there to, to break them, I guess. And and some of them for sure make sense <laughs> and, and are really good. But yeah. I think understanding them to then realize like, you know, okay, in this situation, this might not be applicable is also good or I'm going to try something else. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big one for sure as well. Yeah, I think that's a a good closing word for this episode. So, um, yeah, thank you, thank you for being my first guest and for sharing your knowledge and your your tips and insights. Um, glad you took the time. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure and super fun to chat. And yeah, looking forward to nerding out some more about uh, field recording and sound design at some point again. <laughs> we will definitely do that. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash fieldandfoley or ko-fi.com slash fieldandfoley, where you gain early access to episodes in lossless format and can submit questions for our guests. Thank you for listening.